theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right on into the word of the Lord. Thankful for the praise team and their desire to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. I'm just getting my, my timer ready to remind me exactly where I need to be. Let's look at this. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 out of the New King James. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, and it is remarkable uh, how what the worship team's selection uh, just the lyrics of both songs, how they are in perfect alignment with what God has given me today and what I believe I'll be preaching over the next few weeks, actually. Matthew 6, 8. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. So He's telling you that you can go ahead and get into alignment and really be about His business. You don't have to worry about all this other stuff because He's already got it taken care of. So He tells them in verse 9, In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And by the help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to preach a, a series, I think, over the next few weeks. We'll see how long the Lord leads me in this direction. But I want to preach the kingdom. The kingdom. And today I want to preach a different kind of king. A different kind of king. Right where you are at home or for those that are part of our essential worship experience team, would you just join me in lifting your hands to heaven? Father, we exalt you. We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your power. And I'm praying right now that you would open the understanding of everybody that's watching God. Speak to us. Stretch us, God. Give us fresh revelation, Lord. We trust you for this, God. Help us to understand the times and the seasons and what you're doing in this moment. We'll give you the thanks and we'll give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If you have been here for any amount of time, you will hear me preach on the subject of the kingdom of God. In this particular space and time, it has become the centerpiece message of my life and the theme that has dominated the messages uh, that the Lord has given me for Extraordinary Church. 
when we, uh, when we preach and teach, and we do address other topics, obviously, but if you ever want to find out what makes our heart tick, what makes our heart beat, if you will, you'll find that it's something that we continually revisit, and that is the kingdom of God. Now, don't check out on me. Please do me a favor and hang in there with me, because Jesus often preached and taught, if you will, on the same subject multiple times. As a matter of fact, he taught and preached the kingdom more than anything else. Just because you and I have heard it more than once doesn't mean that we always catch it. And one of the fallacies of education is that you address it once and you get it, but we all know that isn't true. And sometimes it takes reinforcing a thing before we ever hear or are able to receive the revelation God is trying to give us. And so every time I preach or teach this, the measure of the revelation of the kingdom of God grows at Extraordinary Church. And people start to understand the kingdom as opposed to just church. I need to say that again. God is trying to stretch our understanding and to get us into alignment so that we understand the kingdom and not just church. Because if there's anything that the world needs, it's less of our churchianity and more of the kingdom of God. If there's anything the world needs in this day and in this hour, it's not our resolutions, it's not our programs, it's the kingdom of God in power and in demonstration. I'm going to preach the kingdom of God. It's the most powerful thing that Jesus teaches and preaches in all of his sermons. He talks about the kingdom more than he did anything else. And I think the less we talk about it, the less we do. Our principles are fine, and if we're not careful, we have self-help programs, and we have all types of other things, but if I'm just being transparent, sometimes I get frustrated with the church talking about the universal church, not specifically EC, but if we're not careful, we'll mess up the church, if you will, because we will infuse our carnal programs and our counseling, and I'm not minimizing counseling. I'm not suggesting that there's something wrong with counseling. As a matter of fact, I believe counseling can help, but I do also believe this. If we'll get back to preaching the kingdom of God, if we'll get back to preaching the kingdom of God, if we'll get back to preaching the kingdom of God, then maybe he'll be able to do what only he can do. I don't know about you, but how many of you want the kingdom of God to come and be demonstrated? How many of you know that Canada, that North America and our world, if they need anything, it's a demonstration of the kingdom of God? How many of you will agree with me that we are going to see revival? We're going to see the kingdom of God demonstrated in our generation. We're going to see the kingdom of God demonstrated in unprecedented ways before he comes to either rapture us or take us away. But we will see the kingdom come. Praise God. Jesus Christ, he preaches, he preaches the kingdom. Kingdom and the good news of the kingdom. His first sermon, his last sermon, and everything or everyone he ever called, I should say, or commissioned, he told them to preach the good news of the kingdom. See, the message of the kingdom is revolutionary in its content. 
Now, I, I want you to imagine with me for just a moment. I don't have a chance to unpack all of this, but Matthew 1, there is a precursor to what is getting ready to, or, or what allows the events of Matthew chapter 1 to unfold. So imagine with me Israel in Jesus' day. She was roughly 500 to 600,000 people. Many were poor peasants. They were farmers, if you will, tradesmen, working for meager salaries, some cases working for no salary at all. Their families were very tight, close-knit. They shared in the daily duties of doing life around one another. It was a nuclear family. They were centered and tight with one another. And there's something about, uh, there's something special about that. I think that perhaps some of us, especially in our Western world, but just the 21st century family as a whole, we've lost sight of how important it is to do life with one another. We've allowed the busyness of life and the hectic pace to bring certain things asunder. But the Jewish family, especially in that day and age, understood how important it was to gather around the table and not only to enjoy a meal, but to connect with one another and more importantly, talk about the scriptures and what that meant to them in their life. And now you have the Roman Empire. Under Jewish life in this day, there was a dark Roman cloud hanging over the head of every Jew. Or every Jew. They were a vassal state of Rome, and for nearly 40 years, they remained a vassal state of Rome. And after the death of Herod the Great, Rome decided that their territory of Palestine would be divided amongst Herod's sons, and they would rule over each separate division, somewhat like a province, if you will. But Israel still finds themselves under Roman authority, and Romans lived and occupied in their land. Everything about this Roman occupation was hateful. It was resented by the Jews from the oppressive taxes to the physical abuse that they experienced at the hand of the Roman soldiers. And then there was the very repugnant idea that the God of Rome, the leader of Rome, Caesar himself, was to be worshipped as God. And for a monotheistic people whose hearts were focused and intent on worshiping Jehovah God and alone. This was a disaster. It was the worst imaginable context that the people of God could find themselves in. And to further complicate matters, if you will, the, to further complicate the lives of God's people, there is this religious scene of Jesus' day. See, it was fraught with all kinds of hypocrisy. There was religious traditionalism everywhere. There were four different types of people. You had the Sadducees, you had the Pharisees, you had the Zealots, and you had the Essenes. I'm telling you right now, Moses had 10 commandments that God had given him, but over 611 additional commandments had been given to the Jewish people to complicate things and to make matters worse. There were nearly 400 years where the people had not heard the prophetic, prophetic voice of God. No prophetic voice. Can you imagine? There was no prophetic voice, no spiritual compass among the people of God. In fact, the high priest of Jesus' day really didn't get there because of spiritual appointment. They got there because of their political prowess and their evil connection to the king. In this case, I'm talking about Herod. 
And so we see a people living in a land that is full of sin. It's full of bondage. They're locked up in religion. There's no prophetic voice. And it doesn't look like there's any hope for the people while they're under the taskmaster, Rome. They are essentially slaves of the Roman Empire. And then all of a sudden, bursting onto the scene, and that kind of environment comes a prophet through the womb of a woman named Elizabeth and a priest named Zechariah, and his name was John the Baptist. He's wearing camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey, and he's preaching the fire with the fire of God in the belly of his soul. I'm telling you, he storms onto the scene that is surrounded by religion, and he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. I want you to tell you right now that the kingdom of God, this is important, I want to tell you that the kingdom of God doesn't wait on prime circumstances before it is demonstrated because God understands that the potency of the kingdom can pierce through any darkness. God will establish his kingdom at the very ground zero of hell's operation. I don't care what you're facing. I want you to know God will establish and manifest and demonstrate his kingdom right dead smack in the middle of COVID-19. He'll do it right dead smack middle of where you're going through. You think you're going through hell? God will say, that's a great place to set up shop and demonstrate my kingdom. God's never intimidated by darkness. He's never intimidated by evil. He's not intimidated by the schemes and the strategies of men. At the end of the day, the Bible teaches us clearly that God is sovereign. He sits on an eternal throne and he establishes his kingdom in power. Praise God. The Bible says the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. And if you believe that, you ought to give him praise. So here you have John the Baptist preaching. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. And when John the Baptist began to preach the kingdom of God, men began to leave and abandon the things that began to or once identify them. They began to leave their preferences. They began to leave their normal ways and begin to seek God with everything that they had. They would repent in a wilderness, get baptized in a river, and would be raised to, to the newness of life as John was preaching the kingdom. And the reason he preached the kingdom is because the kingdom is now coming. Whew, praise God. I wish I, I wish y'all were here to help me. Y'all gonna have to help me in the comments. I can't see them, but I'm believing I'm gonna feel them. I need you to understand the kingdom is comprised of four things. The kingdom would now be demonstrated. I'm preaching today, but I'm gonna preach my guts out before I even get close to finishing this thing because I feel a prophetic utterance that I just need to speak and declare in the atmosphere. The kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here and see the kingdom of God is here there's four things if you study anything about a kingdom you understand there's four things that are taking place here there's four particular components that have to be manifest for every kingdom regardless of the kingdom the first one is number one you must have a king 
If you're going to have a kingdom, you have to have a king. Number two, there has to be a territory. If you're going to have a kingdom, you have to have a territory to rule over. Number three, there has to be citizens of that kingdom. And then the fourth thing is, you have to have a constitution, a law that governs that kingdom. I wish I had time to preach like I could. Oh my God, to tell you about all this, hang with me because I'm going to get to it over the next few weeks. But I want you to know, John the Baptist began to preach about the kingdom of God. This is a very different kingdom. And you might ask yourself, why would God come to establish a kingdom? I'll tell you why. It's because he always intended for the earth to have a demonstration of his kingdom. See, you know the story. We all know the story. Adam and Eve messed up in the garden. But the original intent of God was that God would operate through the authority he delegated to Adam and Eve. It's why in Genesis chapter 2, he tells them, be fruitful and multiply. Take dominion and rule over everything that I have put within your care. But we know what happened. Adam and Eve, they're deceived and they fall into sin. They taste of this forbidden fruit and now things have really gotten twisted and Adam and Eve are now robbed of their delegated authority that had been given God. The first Adam lost everything but I'm thankful the Bible (laughs) doesn't end with the first Adam. If you keep on reading, if you keep on flipping through the pages of the word of God, you'll find the first Adam lost his authority. The first Adam lost his place. The first Adam lost his power. The first Adam lost lost everything God had decided to give him but in the garden what was lost in Genesis 2 oh my God in another garden there was the last Adam (laughs) I could preach about the last Adam all day long the first Adam lost it but the last Adam went to a garden in Gethsemane allowed blood to pour from his perspiration because he was coming back to us he was a God who said let your will be done See, then you have this prophet Isaiah. And Isaiah says something profound in the midst of all these kings of the earth, striving over the thrones of the earth. Isaiah said, you're confused about the kind of king that's coming. (laughs) See, the kind of king that's coming doesn't come through political connection. He doesn't come through payment. He doesn't come because he had a conversation with somebody in the back room. No, no, no. Isaiah said, if you want to understand the king that is on the way, you've got to look to a virgin womb of a girl named Mary. And she'll give birth and they shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And of his rule and the kingdom, there shall be no end. And today, I come to preach about a different kind of kingdom. I come to preach about a king that has no end. He is the Alpha and Omega. I want you to know that I'm not looking. Oh, my God. My king is not sitting in Ottawa. My king is not sitting in Washington, D.C. My king is not on a throne in Belgium. I want you to know my king came from, oh, my God. He came through Mary. I'm telling you right now, his name shall be called Wonderful. He is the the king of kings he is the alpha and omega he is the lily of the valley and the prince of peace he is the rose of Sharon he is
is the middle. Oh, he's the wheel in the middle of a wheel. He is God all by himself. Oh, if we don't get it twisted, I feel like the church is getting distracted. Let me just help you all right now. We ought to pray for our elected officials. We ought to pray for our elected officials. But here's what I want you to understand. No matter how much you love them, every man or woman that is ever elected to a seat of authority will always fall short of the intent and the heart of God. They will always do this. This is why you can never put all of your proverbial or figurative ducks, if you will, in the party that you closely align with in Ottawa. Because they will always let you down. They will always fall short. But today I'm preaching about a man who was not voted in. I'm preaching today about a man <laughs> who was born king. Whenever you look to Jesus, honey, he won't let you down. He'll never lie to you. He'll never cheat. I'm telling you, he's not the son of man that he should repent. If he said he'll do it, you better believe he'll do it. He's a different kind of king. He doesn't come in with pomp and circumstance, riding on some ste uh, steaming white stallion, prancing down the roads of Ottawa, telling everybody how powerful he is. Zechariah said, behold, our king comes riding on the back of a donkey. This isn't the kind of king that the world knows. That's why the princes of this world crucified him. Had they known he was king, they would have never crucified the Lord. But they missed his kingship because he didn't come in flexing his muscles. He didn't come in wielding a sword. He, he comes in and says, let the greatest of you be the servant of all. I'm telling you, it's a different kind of king. Jesus' birth catches everybody off guard. Because the circumstances surrounding his birth don't seem to be consistent with royalty. We find in the beginning chapters of Matthew a narrative that does not describe the king of the universe. Perhaps the story of Jesus that is recorded is that of a different kind of king. He doesn't come into the world in some far off majestic castle or by overwhelming fanfare. Instead, he was born into the muck and mire of the world he came to save. From his humble beginnings to now, this is how we encounter our king and discover his kingdom. See, the story of Jesus, his humble beginnings, make him uniquely capable to rescue broken people. See, the God of the universe pulled on skin and became a human being to hurt like we hurt, suffer like we suffer, all for the transformation and redemption of the world. Praise God. You need to understand it's the God of the universe who put on flesh for you today. Put on flesh for me today. He is the one who came to us because we had ruined it. Well, and he decided he was going to leave glory and come down for you and I. This within itself would be shocking and contrary how you might think a king would come. This takes place as a fulfillment of prophecy as well as proof that the baby to be born is of God, not of man. The book of Matthew was written specifically to Jewish people as a proof that Jesus was indeed the Messiah King. Most would say that the hero 
of the universe would have taken on the form of anything else besides a baby. But we know that God has been raising up people from unlikely places at the very beginning. Look at this, Deuteronomy 7 and 6. I'm reading it out of the ESV. But we learn that God, why God chose Israel. Not because they were an abundant nation, but it's because they were an insignificant one. Look, it says, the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. Praise God. Look at how good and gracious God is. See, the greatest hope we have is God with us. The truth is we are in need of a hero. The mess we are in from birth is not something we can overcome in and of ourselves. Sin is so powerful, and it has a hold on every person, whether we're aware of it or not. The Bible says that we're born into sin. And the first step in experiencing Jesus as king is recognizing that you and I need to be rescued. You've got to understand that money won't get you out of the mess that you're in. Visa and MasterCard or American Express or Discover won't get you out of the mess that you're in. I know your mom and daddy love you. At least that's the case for most of us on the, that are watching right now. But even they can't get you out of the mess that you're in. I want you to know your bae or your boo can't get you out of the mess you're in. Education won't get you out of the mess that you're in. Your relational connections won't do it. You need to realize the only one that can rescue you from your sin dilemma is a savior and that savior is the king of kings and lord of lords you and i need jesus the world needs jesus he is the answer and we serve a different kind of king praise god see the rescuer king is born into this world as a human and is the tangible representation of god on earth literally god with us he's not some far off distant conqueror he is near and he came to set the people free the king who the king is here the king is here the king is here to take his rightful place among his people. I'm declaring the king is here. The king is here in Mississauga. The king is here in Brampton. The king is here in Milton. The king is here in Scarborough. The king is here in Toronto. The king is here to take his rightful place among his people. I'm shouting it. The king is here. The king is here. Praise God. The king is here. Ooh, I feel his call. I feel his call. He told us to go out and compel them to come. That my house might be full. See, a king, a king is worthy of sacrifice. The practicing of a sacrifice to a king is an ancient one. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. He Oh, he's calling us in the name of Jesus. The kingdom of God is here. God is trying to establish his kingdom. Hear me, I'm telling you right now, the kingdom of God is here. Some of us, I'm prophesying to somebody right now, you want to displace the kingdom of darkness, but before you displace the kingdom of darkness, you need to allow your own kingdom to be displaced. You allow your own kingdom to be displaced because the kingdom of God is here. 
He's here a sacrifice. It was an ancient practice. As a matter of fact, Genesis 14 records Abram giving a tenth of all that he has to, to the king of Salem, whose name was Melchizedek. 1 Kings 10 records an immeasurable gift of wealth given to King Solomon by the Queen of Sheba. And jumping back to Matthew, we understand that the, the wise men, they bring frankincense, myrrh, and gold unto the Lord. And I won't get into what they all represent, but what I want you to know is that they represented expensive, significant gifts because they cost them something. Can I tell you, what we offer him ought to cost us something. And Jesus, our King, is worthy of our sacrifice. He's worthy of our sacrifice of praise. He's worthy of getting your family together and praying more than just at the table. He's worthy of saying, there's some things that I will do and there's some things that I won't do because my king is worthy. He is worthy of everything that I have. He's worthy of the song that I sing and he's worthy of the hand clap that I offer him. He's worthy from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same. He is worthy of my sacrifice. He's worthy of my thoughts. He's worthy of my life he's worthy of my passion he's worthy to be my magnificent obsession he alone is worthy praise God Whew. I feel like the Holy Ghost is trying to stir me and wake me up and I hope that's being deposited in each of you I'm going to close because I want to be sensitive to time so I'm going to ask our musicians to come but all of us know what it's like to be awakened suddenly out of our sleep by an alarm clock of some sort that goes off. That means there's been a disturbance, something that moves us. I want you to hear me, something that moves us from our unconscious state to, our, to a conscious state of reality. It means it's time to, to get up. We're no longer going to be allowed by the noise of the phone to sleep and to slumber. It is shaking us from one reality, the reality of sleeping in a subconscious state, to a new reality of getting up, get going, and beginning our day. Well, I feel like right now there's a different kind of alarm clock going off in the greater Toronto area. It's God's alarm clock designed to wake up God's people from our sleep and our spiritual slumber in order that we might get busy in the new reality that we have got to be about our father's business I'm going to say it again the kingdom of God is here I don't know about you or it might just be me but I feel like we're weekly experiencing moments that we can claim we'll never forget Yet in spite of these recurring dramatic weekly headlines, God has gone to incredible lengths to invite us to his wonderful kingdom because of his powerful love. God came to earth to redeem all people from sin. So my question to you today is, he's a different king. What will you offer him? His kingdom is here. What will you offer him? Do you hear the kingdom of God? I feel like, no wonder, no wonder, no wonder, Jesus said, there's nobody greater under heaven than John the Baptist. For he came saying, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is here. 
We've been ruled by one way, but the kingdom of God is here. Can I tell you, in the kingdom of God, there is no racism. In the kingdom of God, there is no hatred. In the kingdom of God, there is no sickness. In the kingdom of God, there is no division. In the kingdom of God, there is no prejudice. In the kingdom of God, there's joy. In the kingdom of God, there's righteousness. In the kingdom of God, there's peace. In the kingdom of God, there is a king. And he has a kingdom with no end. Praise God. Praise God. It's a different kind of king. Praise God. I said he's a different kind of king. A king that will meet you right where you are. My God, go try to get a hold of the king of Belgium right now. You won't get the time of day, but open up your mouth and call on the name of Jesus and watch him show up. The king, he's a different kind of king. He's a king that, and I know y'all probably like, oh, pastor sniffling, but it's just because there's no heat in here <laughs> and it's freezing. But you know what? He's a different kind of king. A king that'll do life with you. A king that will lead you. A king that will guide you. A king that will respond to you. A king that will love you. A king that will take care of you. And if you're looking to say, you know what, I'm tired of looking to everything else. I'm going to look to Jesus. I want to encourage you. Repent for the kingdom of God is here. He's a different kind of king. See, maybe you've thought or heard that God is cruel and obtuse and difficult maybe even sadistic but see that's that's because that's not the God of the Bible the God of the Bible is love a love that he would willingly lay down his own life he didn't send somebody else he robed him own self in flesh and said I'm going to pay the price that you ought to pay him he's the kind of God that says I'll go fight your battle. I'll come back with the head of your enemy and give you the victory. He's the kind of God that wants to love you no matter where you are. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. The kingdom of God is here. His love is here. Don't you feel him today? I want you to worship with us. Come on, and as you respond to his kingdom, as you respond to his presence, the atmosphere is shifting in your home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.